Hello, my name is Philip Camilla, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. Now, a few shows ago, we talked about the importance of going outside the box to solve the problem of the box. And as a basis for that discussion, we also refer to Einstein's famous quote about having to think differently in order to solve a problem that was created with one level of thinking. In other words, oh, you have to raise you have to raise your level of consciousness in order to solve a problem created by that level of consciousness. Another way to put this is that it's helpful to think with an open mind. But we are raised with so many beliefs and preconceptions that maybe even though we once may have had an open mind, that mind is now littered with so many opinions, beliefs, mental structures, assumptions, preconceptions, and on and on that we simply cannot seem to let go of them. We seem to be tethered to these ideas, these beliefs, and we cannot break this cord without thinking that we might be falling into a bottomless pit. seems like we need these beliefs to live. And then there's this thing called societal pressure and peer pressure, this cushion of beliefs that pulls us along the pressure to get a job, to have friends, to get a degree, to get a grant, to get a professorship, to get a, an award. And the odd thing, though, at least in my view, is that these pressures, these peer pressures, societal pressures, these beliefs, these assumptions, are most intense in the very field that is supposed to be the objective search for truth. And this is, this is modern science. Now, my guest today is Susan Martinez, the author of the new book, Delusions in Science and Spirituality, The Fall of the Standard Model and the Rise of Knowledge from Unseen Worlds. She has a Ph.D. in anthropology from Columbia University and is also the author of a number of other books, including Time of the Quickening and The Mysterious Origins of Hybrid Man. She lives in Clayton, Georgia. Susan, welcome to the show. Hello, Philip. Glad to be here. Well, it's I. I was uh, alerted to your book uh, by a friend of mine, and it really got my attention. The whole title, "Delusions in Science and Spirituality," I think says a lot. And we're going to be getting into some of these delusions. But first of all, what led you to write this book at this time, a book about delusions in science and spirituality? Um, I think the right answer to that is that um, these uh, topics are building up. Um, For one thing, this is the uh, first and only book I ever wrote where each chapter is devoted to an entirely different subject. astrology, reincarnation, the Ice Age, you know, totally mixed. Right. Uh, But it's about our uh, textbook uh, theories and standard popular theories in each of those areas. Um, 
I've been I, I I was in the middle of writing a series of books on ancient mysteries, and I interrupted that in order to write this book to get these topics off my chest. Um, I wanted to get it done. I wanted to uh, 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 get it uh, o- over with. Uh, so, so that it was there because these things have been annoying away at me uh, the uh, falsehood uh, behind our uh, uh, theories that have now been called facts that are now being called facts and they're nothing but theories uh, I started with the Big Bang that was chapter one and uh, actually I ended uh, chapter nine I think uh, with democracy so I, I, it runs a whole gamut of um, areas that I, I, I felt I had to give my input in getting to the truth. Well, I think that that is uh, very well expressed and also speaks to uh, myself and I'm sure other people that, you know, you have these long harboring doubts over certain things that people tell you, whether it's uh, a biblical um, story or whether it's a scientific quote-unquote fact, and it's sort of like it builds up in you, you know, the doubts, you sleep on it, and all of a sudden it comes bursting out. You know, in other words, there's this need to express the doubt, and I think that 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 really comes across in your book and and you know you do cover a lot of territory and and for uh you know I'm I'm going to strongly recommend this book to the listeners because it is is such a open-minded look at some of these uh, sacred cow theories such as big bang evolution global warming but uh Susan you don't just attack uh scientific materialism you also have a few things to say about astrology and reincarnation so so you do cover a lot of ground yes, here yes, and and i think just, i think that's pretty cool go ahead there's just as much um bull honking in the new age as there is in the prior uh, paradigm yes yes yeah and i think that that's something that you know the idea to me is to sort of transcend these these belief structures and reach a point where we can sort of combine them or at least take a different view of the of the phenomena that they are trying to explain there's so many times i think when we are caught in these categories and you say it yourself you know the battle between science and religion creationism and modern science you know it's sort of like this dichotomy where we can't fight ourselves out of these out of these bags it, it, it's really not a dichotomy it, it, right? exactly right. it's a false uh, dichotomy uh, uh, science should have no uh, problem with religion and religion uh, should have no problem with science it's a conflict we ourselves uh, have created and um, down the line, we're going to discover that uh, the reason for it is because it has become uh, politically uh, correct to have a secular model of, of all knowledge. And uh, believe me, that's where I trace the ultimate problem, that we're having to cast uh, everything in, in, a, in a secular light. Okay, so now you say that there should not be a conflict between science and religion, and why? Not why at all. And why is that? Uh, because uh, science exists in its own right and it's totally valid, and religion exists in its own right and it's totally valid. 
I, um, are, are you, would you subscribe to the, what the, was it, um, uh, Jay, um, Stephen Jay Gold, who talked about the, the different spheres of influence or, or jurisdiction that uh, science and religion have? Do you, do you no. believe they, okay. Um, I think uh, Stephen Jay Gould was all wet, and yeah. <laughs> I think he was the last, um, uh, the last uh, glamour boy uh, for Darwinism to put up to save it. Uh, yeah. from the wrecking ball. Yeah. I, I don't believe, uh, I, I know he was a brilliant man, but I don't believe any of his theories, most particularly punctuated equilibria. Yeah, well, we'll have a chance to get into this, but for those um, who have not read J uh, Stephen Jay Gold, first of all, it is the late Stephen Jay Gold. He was a great writer, um, neo-Darwinian, but he had this, this uh, theory about the separate... Um, Areas, I think he used the word uh, magisteriums or some big long word like that to show how to argue that science and religion had different spheres and they were like completely he, separate. He was a hardcore uh, atheist. Yes. And uh, he tried to uh, 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 f fancy up the whole thing in sci scientific words, but uh, I don't think any of it is, is worthwhile. Yeah. Well, that well that's 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 healthy. I think that I think that is a. That's a healthy perspective. Now, let's talk about uh, the standard model for a moment. Your subtitle is The Fall of the Standard Model and the Rise yeah. of Knowledge from Unseen Worlds. What do you mean by the standard model? Uh, the standard model um, is just a way of referring to um, uh, textbook uh, teachings, uh, to, uh, theories that have been accepted as fact. And, and uh, by, by the majority of the profession. And so, so what what would be examples of that standard model? Uh, every uh, all the f first four chapters yeah. uh, in my book, uh, the Big Bang is a, is the standard model explanation of why the universe is here. Uh, the Ice Age is part of standard model. Um, Darwinism is a standard is standard model of explaining man's origin and uh, currently. Uh, global warming is a, is the standard model explaining uh, climate change. And and I think okay. So now, do, is there in your mind a relationship between the standard model and and what we know as political correctness? <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Brilliant. Exactly. 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 And um, Philip, you're reading my mind because. Um, Last week or so, I, I, I decided to research uh, political uh, correctness and to write about it because we need to hear more about it. And I went to the library and asked the librarian if they could um, uh, search uh, for titles on the subject, and she said, yes, yeah, sure. And she went under um, po po politically correct and she found a bunch of stuff. So I'm just beginning to um, research what they say in the areas of uh, medicine, foreign policy, um, domestic policy, and so on, uh, for political correctness. Yes, indeed, a standard model is almost interchangeable with politically correct. Yeah, and this, this is where things get interesting, because what I'm starting to realize is that it's one thing attacking the logic, rationality, factual basis of a scientific theory. I mean, that's like, in law, it's like attacking um, the, the the credibility of a legal argument. But it's another thing, changing minds, 
because to change the mi- mind of somebody, you sort of have to change sort of the the political mainstream or the or yeah, the yeah. But or, both right. both both right. of your um, sets there uh, apply to the courtroom. Both of them have have many parallels with the with legal arguments. Right, and it's and this is where things are much more difficult. There's a book, and I don't know if you've read it. I mentioned it a lot on this show, and I actually had uh, him as a guest uh, a while back. It's a book called The Trouble with Physics by Lee Smolin. And this book talks about how unless you're studying string theory in physics, you're not going to get a really a job. You have to study string theory. It's the thing, it's the, it's the going uh theory it's the one that unites you know that supposedly solves the gravity versus quantum theory problem but but the point is is that leading scientists are recognizing in 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 other areas that unless you're with the favored group your ideas are not going to be given much credibility and in fact will be ignored and, and, oh, and yeah. th- this is an important fact. Why don't you talk uh, about that a little bit? Well, you know, I talk about it a lot in, in the book. So um, it's, sometimes it's more than ignored. Sometimes it, it crosses over into suppressed. Yes. And sometimes it gets even uh, worse, uh, more serious than uh, suppressed. Uh, the, the, I, can't, I can't exactly prove that, but I know um, some anecdotal stuff that um, makes uh, the uh, offense uh, much worse than uh, uh, ignore or even uh, suppress, so that uh, careers are at stake, um, even entire professions are at stake. uh, Philip, it's too late in the game for them to back off uh, Big Bang or for them to back off Darwinism or for them to back off global warming, uh, but I will uh, say uh, right here and now that they are all false doctrines. Well, let's let's talk about the Big Bang for a second here, because this is also one of my favorite um, topics. Okay. And and so let's let's talk about what what do you think is the problem with the Big Bang? Uh, uh, I already posited uh, that. Um, uh, science thinks it has to conform to a secular paradigm. Science thinks it has to exclude religion, creation, the the, the great spirit, uh, in order to be uh, scientific. Uh, this is the premise that it's right. working from, and, and the premise is no good. Yeah. Um, I. I I happen to be a spiritualist, so, you know, it just, for me, it goes without saying. Um, now, where was I? Was I supposed to be talking about... Well, uh, the, well, the Big Bang. Yeah. Some, yeah, what's wrong with the Big Bang? Okay, that's the first thing that's wrong, is that it's a mighty effort uh, to put up uh, uh, a standing theory against creation, uh, against the power of the Creator. Uh, to create and destroy. Uh, the alternative uh, to the Big Bang is not only uh, creationism, it's a, a scientific theory called um, continuous creation. In other words, the universe has always existed. We don't have to look for a, a beginning. Yeah, well, I, I think that there's a couple... Um 
um, common themes here, which is that you start with the notion that we are told these things. And there's a quote in your book that I want to highlight because I think I have something similar in my book. You say, you say that we let others do our thinking and we go along with their easy or cute or exciting answers. And, and un- unfortunately, this is so true and it applies to the deepest beliefs we hold. And, and this is this is what is called the Big Bang Theory. I mean, you really have to be, if you're at a cocktail party and you're, and you're questioning the Big Bang, you may be let out the door uh, uh, because it is, is accepted as part of, like, the backdrop to civilized uh, humankind. I mean, that, that's, it's so ingrained. But the, but the problem to me with the Big Bang, uh, Susan, and I completely agree with you, by the way, is that if you actually look at what it says, it doesn't make any sense. This is Philip yeah. Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Susan Martinez, uh, who is the author of the new book, Delusions in Science and Spirituality, The Fall of the Standard Model and the Rise of Knowledge from Unseen Worlds. And we are starting with the beginning of it all here is we're talking about the Big Bang. And now I just got done saying, Susan, that I don't think the Big Bang makes one iota of sense uh, if you actually think about it because you have this um, this almost inf- infinite mass or this, uh, you know, trillions and trillions of tons of energy and mass sort of exploding from nowhere and sort of racing to order. Which which makes no sense to me. I mean, there's so many problems with it. But but what do you see as the fl- as the main flaw of the Big Bang? Um, well, um, I, I can think of a couple of things, but my mind just jumped over to the uh, practical uh, side. You know, uh, some of this stuff looks like uh, strictly academic. You know, right. in the terms of oh, that's academic. Right. Uh, but there are. Uh, uh, real-life uh, ramifications, particularly in the uh, global warming area. But when you get to the Big Bang thing, there's something I want to say about that. Go ahead. Um, the, take the Large Hadron Collider in uh, Switzerland, France, where they've got a, a 17-mile underground uh, tunnel where they're experimenting with the collision of subatomic particles uh, and uh, declaring uh, that this research is going to tell us uh, uh, how the Big Bang occurred. Right. Okay. Um, that bothers me. Uh, for one thing, <laughs> I don't believe in the Big Bang in the first place, but here's the other thing. Um, this might be a, a, a very dangerous uh, enterprise, uh, the collision of experimenting uh, with uh, uh, subatomic uh, particles. Uh, who knows what uh, could happen? The people in the region in particular have generated uh, quite a bit of questions on uh, on the dangers of it. Now, let me tell you something else, because we, we've already brought up the subject of suppression, okay? Right. Uh, last night, I uh, just on a hammer. I, I I wanted to follow up some research. So I went to Google. I typed in LHC dangers, large hadron collider dangers, right. and stuff came up. Of course, uh, the first item that came up was <laughs> <laughs> uh, against the dangers. You know, to yeah. uh, to calm us down and say there are no dangers. And the same with the 
second item, but eventually I got to um, uh, the uh, outcry. Um, and then, okay, and then uh, there was uh, one journalist wrote in and said, um, blah, 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 uh, physical scientists who ha have spoken out against the dangers, and it was underlined so that you could click it for a link. Yes. Okay? Yes. And I clicked it, and boom, um, this uh, horrible blue screen comes up with a, a female voice telling me I have a virus and to, <laughs> to go through. I really panicked because I've been having a lot of computer problems lately, and I'm not good at it. I don't know how to handle it. I couldn't even get the screen off uh, <laughs> off my desktop. That's I funny. couldn't even how to shut the thing down. But, yeah. you know, Philip, afterwards I thought, hmm. What a coincidence yeah. that I was researching yeah. the dangers and yeah. this horrible uh, thing came up. I guess we both know and your listeners know that there are devices uh, online for uh, for the sake of cens censorship. Yeah, I think I think it's I think the Large Hadron Collider is really something else, and I think that it is if it's not a physical danger, i.e., if it if there's not a danger that it's going to blow up or warp time or create a black hole. I know there's some discussion about all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I think it's a danger of, A, wasting money, and B, directing the efforts of science towards a dead end. I mean, that, that's sort of, I mean, I'm a, I'm pretty, I'm about as radical as you are against the Large Hadron Collider, by the yeah. way. And let me, let me start with, because this is such an interesting topic, I'm going to, and I'm I'm puzzled over something with the with the Large Hadron Collider, um, a lot of things. But one of them is, I thought that quantum theory said says that there is not there are not particles independent of consciousness. I thought that that's that's sort of what quantum theory comes comes to, at least in some interpretations. And if that is correct, then why are we looking for particles in the Large Hadron Collider? That might be an argument, uh, but uh, I think that reverts to the uh, Heisenberg uh, rule that when consciousness is, is applied to study these things, it, it makes a difference on the uh, results. Yeah, and, and the there's a lot of writers, for example, um, Bruce Rosenblum and Fred Kuntner in their book Quantum Enigma, Quantum Enigma, they talk about how you can't understand quantum theory without consciousness, and there's all sorts of books out there uh, from Amika Swami, Fred Allen Wolf, and even mainstream quantum theorists who who take the interpretation that uh, that there's really nothing out there. There's maybe energy packets, maybe a field, uh, may, waves of nothing, but if that's true, and I think that is true, then why why are we looking for truth inside of a particle? To me, it is it just goes to show you that when you control the airwaves, when you control the dialogue, the courthouses, uh, the the when you make the decisions on what's right and what's wrong, uh, and when you're in a position of authority in, in science, you can get away with all sorts of inconsistencies, all sorts of contradictions. And that, that's what it tells me. Now, again, right. I, I'm very um, radical on this, but, but to me, the Large Hadron Collider is a big waste of money. Yes, and we're talking $10 billion, uh, and, and that's a figure quoted from several years ago. Who knows? How, that figure's probably doubled by now, and that, that's public money. Yeah. Uh, 
So um, uh, we, we, uh, we, we've been gold. But um, when you talk about uh, quantum and nothing out there, uh, that's where I want to go back to the 19th century. I want to right off the 20th century, forget it ever happened, forget Max Planck and quantum, and go back to the 19th where they were hot on the trail of, of the truth of what's out there because they had uh, discovered the ether. Okay. And uh, that is the theory uh, I hold. Um, I don't have any uh, a website online, uh, no author website or anything else like that, but I did put together a science website with a couple of friends, and it, 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 it's mostly devoted to uh, the ether theory that was discarded uh, in, in the 20, early 20th century, but uh, I think it's coming back now. You mentioned string theory. That's that's going to tie in with the uh, ether. See, um, they're very close uh, to the truth, but they're holding it in their own uh, terms. The strings are really quite similar to the um, uh, arrows, uh, which is the, the uh, pa pattern in which uh, etheric stuff moves um, and uh, the ether is real the only thing about it that we don't like is that you can't uh, pin it down and you can't measure it but it's real it's what's out there okay so so let let's try to let's try to put this into uh, different terminology so maybe people could follow this I and mean, there there are a number of of people and sometimes I'm one of them um, who talk about things known as the quantum field, uh, the Ikasic field, the morphic resonance field, and there's also, of course, the Higgs field. And then, uh, and then you're right, the ether uh, was, at least in some uh, senses, was the field through which light was supposed to travel. Uh, and then there's all, the, all sorts of spiritual fields. You know, if the world is one, then that means there is some kind of field uh, joining us. Do you see all these fields being different terms for the same thing? Yeah. Okay. That's very well put, and I, I, I do indeed. Um, the science that we've been developing here, and it's based on the OASPE, uh, the book called OASPE, which is a book of revelations. It has a science portion, uh, which introduces the concept of the vortex. And the vortex is the unseen power, the dynamo that moves uh, moves things. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when folks, I mean, folks are talking about the theory of everything. So the, it must boil down to some common denominator. And I think those two common points are the ether as the answer to the unseen principle and the vortex as the answer to the unseen power. Okay, so I want to talk about this for a second. The observation, I want to talk about the vortex for a minute, but the, but the observation I want to make here, and I'm not sure we, whether you would agree with this, but I think that the one of the fatal flaws of the scientific picture that we're living under right now is that they, is that they separate the human being from the field. They don't, they don't inject spirituality. They don't inject our inner emotion spirit mind into the field we're, we're we look at the quantum field the inf the inflaton field and the higgs field as these things out in outer space but but we're not part of the field 
We should be, but we're not. And so this is where I think the big flaw of modern science is, is that they separate the observer from the observed. It's another way to put the same point. So okay. I'm, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you think of that, but I think that is that's the problem. We separate ourselves from the specimen, from the from the uh, thing we're studying. Okay, so vortex. What what do you mean by vortex being the unseen power? Um, um, that's where I, I pin everything for the um, uh, for the theory of everything. Uh, that the uh, vortex, the vortex, it, it, as far as the uh, uh, Earth world is concerned, the vortex is roughly its uh, magnetic field. Okay, no, no big uh, mystery there. Right. The vortex is another way of naming uh, the magnetic field, but uh, the interesting stuff kicks in when we attribute gravity, for example, to the vortex. Therefore, gravity is a push from the field down to the earth and not a pull, hmm. which is what the standard model says. See, so uh, once you start studying the uh, vortex out there, uh, you do start getting a different picture of science. What difference does it make whether whether gravity pushes or pulls? <laughs> I like that, Philip. It doesn't it doesn't keep me up at night. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, one of the things here that I want to emphasize. And that is, and this is true for me and, and true for a lot of people in this field, deconstructing is easier than constructing. Taking something down is easier than building. And the reason I think why modern materialistic science is, is, is on top of the mountain is because they have explanations for things, but no one's come up with a counter explanation that explains more. Now, I do think there are counter explanations that do explain more, Susan. Don't get me wrong. And the yeah. vort and the vortex idea may be one of them. And I advocate in my own book another approach to the same thing. But then you run into this social peer pressure issue, where where those who are outside of the model, those are out those who are outside of the mainstream, are considered to be heretics. Uh, irrational or insane. Yeah, yeah, but right there is where I want to stop and take uh, a deep breath. Okay. Uh, because uh, 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 conformity, yes, uh, this is a great, uh, this is a great uh, barrier. Very much, I experience it personally every day of my life. Uh, but here's where your inner faith and your inner strength have to uh, come. Uh, to the fore. Uh, here's where you're either going to let the light in or shut the light out because, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry are also shutting the light out. Yeah, that, that's, well, that's well put. So, so what you're saying is that we, we know the truth if we see it. We know it inside of us. The question is whether we're going to open ourselves up to it. Yes, and what we're going to stand for, yeah. each of us as an individual, what we're going to stand for, uh, because uh, it's not just uh, this life where 
uh, uh, retribution comes in. It's a continuing, uh, ongoing thing. The choices we're making now are uh, are, uh, are move over into the uh, eternal. That's good. This is Philip Camello. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Susan Martinez, the author of the new book, Delusions in Science and Spirituality, The Fall of the Standard Model and the Rise of Knowledge from Unseen Worlds, where uh, Susan takes on not only some leading theories in science, but also some sacred cows in spirituality and the new age. Now, I want to move to evolution here in Darwinianism because this is another of all sacred cows. I mean, I think it's the Big Bang and Darwinianism, and I would agree on that. And I think that some people probably just may take the Big Bang on faith. And the same thing with evolution. I mean, in my in my job, I remember um, speaking to another another lawyer, uh, you know, I was just sort of raising some questions about Darwinism, and you basically get scuffed at. If you doubt Darwinism, you're immediately put into this category of being an intelligent designer, a, a crank or something. Um, and well, so, so, so why don't you, let, let's talk about what's, what's wrong with Darwinism in your mind. Well, first of all, let me backtrack for a okay, second. You sure. said uh, people, uh, you know, most people believe in Big Bang. Most people believe in Darwin. That's an illusion, Philip. Yeah. Uh, you know what most people, uh, uh, frankly, uh, think of the Big Bang? Uh, they they kind of think it's a joke. And you know what? Take a look at these statistics, your Gallup polls and whatnot. Um, half of America does not uh, believe in Darwinian evolution. Uh, the only reason we are blessed with the illusion that it's so popular is that its leaders uh, have had a strong voice uh, in the media uh, and also have exercised uh, very intimidating tactics Yes. Uh, to make us think that we're um, real uh, bo- from the boonies, real hicks, and real ignorant farmers uh, if we do not believe in the modern uh, theory, theory of Darwinism. But that is all strategy, I'm telling you. I wrote, uh, this is just a chapter here in the Delusions book on Darwin, but I wrote an entire book dumping on it, and that was my previous title called uh, um, The Mysterious Origins of Hybrid Man. Uh, let me. <laughs> it's so easy to summarize this that it's a joke. <laughs> it's just a joke uh, because that word hybrid yes. in the title of the book is the key. Uh, all these different fossil men did not evolve from each other. They just hybridized. They intermated. They crossbred, and that's why we get so many different types. Homo erectus, Neanderthal, you name it. Uh, they all came about uh, from uh, cross-breeding. Now, now, that's another thing that's politically incorrect. Yeah. You know, the idea of racial uh, intermarriage. Uh, Baby, so we've got it all here. Um, and so, but to uh, unravel uh, the, uh, the hype, uh, it is very simple. You just check back on the fossil record and easily can place every specimen as a crossbred uh, uh, result. Yeah, and I have a 
section in my own book, uh, The Collapse of Materialism on Darwinism, and I share some of your same doubts. And it's sort of nice to know that uh, separate people come to the same conclusions when you actually look at the evidence. I mean, for example, um, you know, Darwin's book, his famous book was called On the Origin of Species, but nobody has ever explained how Darwinian evolution actually creates new species. So, so it's really an amazing... It's an amazing thing where, frankly, I think Darwin is so popular, uh, not only because he's accepted by the leading universities, but because I think it's a reaction against biblical literalism. I think exactly. that I think that that's, it's yeah. Go ahead. That's the uh, historical uh, picture. Um, uh, uh, Origin species came out in 1859. That was just the turning point in the 19th century and for all of modern time, in which. Uh, you know, prior to that, it was the clerics, uh, the, uh, it was the clergy that basically maintained control of the universities and whatnot. But that mid-century 19th uh, was the turning point. And by the 1870s, the, uh, all the universities uh, of the Western world had turned uh, uh, secular and were in control. Uh, and were controlled by these scientists. So uh, Darwin hit at a, a very good time. In fact, um, his work was necessary in order to uh, bring people out of the dogma of uh, 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 religious uh, beliefs that had no uh, place in science whatsoever and to bring things onto a, uh, a more objective uh, footing. Yes, that served its purpose. That had its place but not to the extreme that the 20th and 21st century has, uh, has brought it. We need a proper balance uh, of science and spiritualism. Yeah, that, that's really well put. And, and what we're talking about here uh, is that Darwin uh, was an a anecdote to this dogma from the religious orthodoxy that, of course, um, would would find that species were created sort of instantaneously from the hand of God or something like that. And of course, the problem with that theory is that it doesn't really subject itself to questioning or to, or to testing. You sort of take it on faith. And so Darwin offers this uh, opposing theory, which is sort of like the gradual development change of organisms over time as they're struggling for existence in an environment it sounds so scientific it sounds <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds really cool and there is some truth to it but what makes darwin i think so popular is first of all he's he was a heck of a writer um, there's a lot of detail in the origin of the species, but it is a it is a credible theory based upon observation, a little bit of testing, and and some good reasoning. But the problem there's so many problems, and you point out in your book, and just so the listener doesn't think that I'm I'm way off the deep end, that if you actually do look at the fossil record, and virtually everybody who looks at it knows that there are gaps serious gaps in the fossil record and darwin noted it all the mod even even uh, richard dawkins has noted it in other words we don't see the gradual change the gradual morphing if you will of one organism into another you see these leaps you know the you know you you yourself susan talk about the cambrian explosion of organisms without any predecessors 
Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, all you need is, of course, uh, breeding to explain those instantaneous new races. Yeah. Well, I think. I think. Uh, I think, I think all, that. But, also, I just want to mention that the Origin of Species, uh, published in 1859, that is uh, is about flowers and plants and a couple animals, but doesn't touch on mankind. Yeah. And right. that's the only part I'm interested <laughs> yeah. in. Uh, by by 1871, he did write his second uh, a second book called The Descent of Man. Right. But he. Beat around the bush there too. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the I I, I myself am interviewed about about Darwin uh, periodically, and one of the points that I make, and I also make it in, in my own book, is that Darwin based his quote unquote epiphany on natural selection based upon animal breeders. He looked at animal breeders to say, "Oh, isn't this interesting? Uh, an animal breeder, you know, breeds two two types of horses or two types of dogs and comes up with a faster dog." Well, maybe nature is doing the same thing. Maybe nature is breeding things together and yeah, coming up, make, you know, you and coming. that hop, skip, and a jump from right, right. artificial it's, testing to right. uh, what nature does over millions of years. Right, right. And the problem, one of the problems with that, in my mind, has always been an animal breeder is intelligent they are intentionally breeding things. Yeah. There is no intelligence in the Darwin world, and that's to me the big flaw. But so it's right. it's a really it's a really interesting it's a really interesting topic. Um, the whole the whole thing about about Darwinism. And again, I want to emphasize that the important thing here is to view these theories with an open mind. And if we can get Susie, you know, my I have this I have this faith that. If we actually get people to look at these things clear-headedly, then then some of the stuff we're saying here will not seem so crazy. It, you know, it, it it really does. Some some of this does not make any sense, and it is a sad commentary that we're basing so much of our education, our our our, our higher uh, educational institutions, upon these theories. You know it's, what, Philip. Uh, I'm older than you, and I think probably a lot older than you. <laughs> I gotta say, I don't think people are gonna open their minds until they are forced to open their minds. And and what uh, what would force them to open their minds? Um, uh, calamity. Yeah. Calamity. Yeah. And uh, uh, I've d- dealt a lot also in prophecy, uh, and so um, I have these ideas, and I think it's coming. I think uh, the calamity is coming, and I think that's uh, when minds will begin to open when it's by sheer necessity that we have to think for ourselves. Well, I uh, I think you're right. I mean, I you know it's interesting. It's interesting because I I also I often think about what what is it going to take. But let me let me say a couple things here that I that um I think are important. First of all. We tend to think things are going to happen quickly. Um, if you look at how long it took for the Copernican theory to take over, or, I mean, quantum theory has not yet integrated itself into science, and it's, it's 100 years old, virtually. Um, Darwin, of course, is still it's over 150 years old, and we haven't debunked it yet, and it's right now being being you know being more and more questioned. My my point being that some of these things take time. On the other hand, I think I agree with you 
that it is going to take something. Now, my own opinion is in that this is related to a rise in consciousness. That, and this is why the introduction to my show talks about the new rise in consciousness. That as consciousness rises, then we get a greater awareness of who we are, what the world's about, and we come more in touch with our true essence, however you want to put that in non, non-New Age language. But, but I, te- I tend to think that it, the truth becomes more apparent to us over time. But so I have so I I'm sort of in the middle here. I don't know whether it's a gradual rise in consciousness or whether it's really going to take a calamity. That's my point. So. Um, you you mentioned one of my earlier books, the time of the quickening. Time of the quickening. Yes. Um, Philip, I really like you to uh, read that book because um, even if it doesn't answer your questions on what you've been talking about just now, uh, it'll certainly give you um, uh, the, my viewpoint and um, a, a, a book full of perspective on uh, cycles of time and the particular uh, 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 age of light that we are entering now. Um, it's not an arbitrary thing. It's a patterned uh, thing, and we're coming into a new light. This is a, a cosmic thing. It has to do with the travel of the uh, uh, systems through the universe and, and regions of light and regions of darkness that it travels through. Uh, so that um, uh, we even have a name, and this again goes back to Oaste and the uh, histories there and the prophecies there, the mathematics, the science. Uh, this new age of light has a name, it's called Cosmon, and it reflects the fact that um, the, uh, mankind has reached uh, maturity uh, and is uh, ready now to become a citizen of the cosmos, uh, to be enlightened, uh, to receive the light, and none of this is arbitrary, it all has uh, a science to it, a pattern to it, and uh, those are the numbers I study in uh, Time of the Quickening. This is Philip Camello. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Susan Martinez, the author of Delusions in Science and Spirituality, and we're talking about sort of the coming of this uh, new age. You, you call it the Cosmon. Cosmon. How, how do you know, how do we know that such an age will come? Um, it already um, started in the 19th century. Um, uh, in order to know, in order to have knowledge, you have to be a deep uh, reader. Right. There's no, no way around that. Um, and you also have to read the right stuff. And you also have, your mind, have to have a good mind fixed to how to uh, analyze data. So I'm not going to uh, go into the, uh, what, what is it called, uh, What's that marvelous word for knowing, you know, on ontology, but there's, what is, do you know that word? En- enlightenment? Okay. Oh, go ahead. Huh? Enlightenment? Oh. No, no, oh. that, the, the, there's an ology word for uh, the science of knowing. I don't oh. want to get into that, uh, because I don't, uh, I don't like metaphysics, uh, but... Epistemo- um, epistemology. There you go. There you go. Huh. Yay! Yay. 
Yeah, there you have it. A big long word, a, a big a big long word meeting the yeah. theory, the theory yeah. of knowledge. Yeah, okay. yay, yay. Um, yeah, that's the word. Now I don't care for metaphysics or epistemology, so I don't want to get into that. This is what I know. You either trust me, hmm. the light comes out of me, the vibes that come out of me, or you don't. You know, I don't want to get into the epistemology side yeah, of it. That's I, interesting. I have uh, uh, I have this, that, and the other to my credit, but what's the sense of bringing that forward? You, yeah. A person is just going to get their vibe off of what you say. Yeah, that, uh, that's a good. Okay. That, that's a good point. Yeah, that's, okay, that's a good uh, point. I mean, I think that you know, I think it all. It in some in some ways it all it all ends there. But go ahead. Uh, so um, these these are my conclusions, and I don't want to have to sit here and justify how I got to them. But I I believe I took a, a true path uh, to these conclusions, and I'm not the only one. This corresponds to what many minds uh, are saying. Uh, but to get a specific, and I followed this um, the guidelines of this from the uh, Oaspe uh, revelations. There began in uh, around 1850 this new time of light. Again, uh, the entire explanation for these times of light is in uh, that book of mine called The Time of the Quickening. Uh, and, and that's where I break it down, and you can decide for yourself if you agree with it or not. But okay, uh, that's a starting point. Well, that's, Cos- that, yeah, that, 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 that's cool. One, year one of Cosman, 1850. Okay. So we've got 170, uh, <clears throat> 160 years under our, our belt for the new, uh, the new age of light. Uh, so everything that we are experiencing now, Philip, is breaking up of the darkness in order to receive the light. We're only halfway through that process. That's why so many horrible things are happening on our planet right now and so many confusing things and people do not understand this is not doom, this is not doomsday, this is a breaking up of uh, at least 3,000 years of darkness permitting us to enter this new field of light. Yeah, you know, I was, I read a statistic the other day about how uh, right now, there are 65 million people displaced by war in the world. The greatest ever. 65 million people. And that, it, it, that's, it's it, unbelievable. It is. It is. And you could just... It tears your heart out to know what's going on in the world outside of our safe uh, country. Uh, uh, but we must understand that this is a darkness that is playing itself out. The, this is the darkest hour before the dawn. And the dawn is coming, and the prophesied year for major changes is uh, less than uh, uh, 30 years off. It's uh, 2048. I don't know if I've done the math right or not. Uh, 30, 35, 25, whatever it is. Uh, by 2050... Uh, things are really going to be shuffled out of place, and there is going to be a total collapse of the institute of the of the totally dysfunctional institutions of our world's governments. Uh, total collapse to be replaced uh, by uh, more functional, uh, more communal, uh, more positive in every way uh, uh, systems. Uh, uh, basically, on a local level but with global reach 
Well, this is what's yeah. coming. Yeah, I have to say hallelujah. And there is, and just so you know, I mean, you probably know this, but I, many of the guests I have on this show say the same thing thing in different in different ways they call it the i the world shifting the consciousness shift i love the word shift you know i i talk about it myself and and it's and i think i think you're right when you point out it's hard this is not like nostradamus who who you know is coming up i mean i don't have any i don't have a crystal ball i i just and i'm sort of like you in the sense it just feels like this cannot go on forever and when no, you and, it can't go and, on and, much longer right. at all. And when you look at the, it's sort of like a tension. This is where I look at it, like a tension, like we have bent this this arrow, uh, or the, as or this metal rod as much as it will bend. In other words, we distorted the the picture, the truth, so badly with the Big yeah. Bang and evolution and dark matter and dark energy yeah. and all this other stuff that it's just going to it's just going to give it's just going to release itself it's just going to spring spring out and maybe that's maybe yeah. that's a way to put the calamity yes we yeah. want to give you and me Philip we want to give people the opportunity to uh, break out uh, break out of it we we want we're speaking to people we want to give them the chance to we want to uh, give them the encouragement uh, to follow their own uh, common sense or their own uh, inner voice, whatever uh, you want to call it, and to break away uh, from things that they feel are false because it is only to their credit and it is only to the credit of mankind that uh, that we begin doing this, particularly with the young. Yes, yeah, and I do think that the, the young are the solution and it's not it's not a touchy feely point I'm making here, although a little bit. But what I what I think that the strength of the young is really in having open mindedness injected into our culture, because that to me is the key. I mean, if it's true that m- most people doubt the Big Bang and, and Darwin, I think you're right on that the, the, from the statistics. Then, then, yeah, then I think that is correct. And then, then if more and more people are starting to say this, that makes no sense. You know, let, you know, I don't, exactly. I, I don't, I don't feel like. I mean, personally, if somebody wants to believe that they're descended from an amoeba, then I say that's fine. You could, you could, you could believe you're descended from an amoeba. I don't think I'm descended from an amoeba, and yeah. and so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I have higher, higher aspirations. Okay, so we didn't have a chance. I want to t- touch briefly upon upon reincarnation, and we have just a couple minutes here. But a lot of people come on this show and talk about reincarnation, and you have a different twist, which I think is actually healthy. So why don't you say a couple things about reincarnation, because we have sort of dumped a lot on the modern scientific standard model. But what is what is your what is your issue with reincarnation? Oh. Um I, I, I am so mad at the people, and believe me, I have fr- friends, uh, close close associates who uh, still believe in it, despite all the work I've done to disprove it. I'm so mad at these people for uh, getting sucked in, you know. Again, you know, you know how I started out trying to lay some kind of a, a premise for our talk, saying that the problem with most of these theories that the, is that they're following a, a, a secular road right. rather than a spiritual one, that they feel obliged to follow a secular pattern. 
Uh, this is the case also with reincarnation. Don't fool yourself that it's a spiritual thing. It's the opposite of spiritual. It's telling us that we need bodies in order to mature. Uh, whereas the true spiritual viewpoint is that when we get rid of our body and go into the uh, heaven world, uh, we continue developing, and that's really where uh, the finishing touches are, are made. So, the in this in the spirit, I I, I understand. Okay, let's talk about the afterlife because this is related to the afterlife. What do you do? You, where do you stand on the afterlife? A spiritual afterlife, right? Yes, of course, right. I'm a spiritualist. Okay. So, right. the afterlife is what follows the um, crumbling of the body to dust. Right. Uh, our spirit uh, comes back alive. Uh, we we become we attain a spirit body. We go through a, a new kind of training. We d develop and move into the hierarchies. It's all very stratified. It's it's more properly stratified than than uh, the organization of Earth. In other words, a, a low a low-minded person goes into the lowest. Uh, uh, of the resurrections, and it's kind of a hell. It really is what the Hades of the Greeks was called, because in Oaxaca it's called Hada. It's an ancient word for the lowest of the heavens, the darkest of the heavens. So the lowest-minded people on earth, when they drop the body, they go into a kind of hell in the lowest uh, heavens. But then there is a re reconstitution and, and, uh, and uh, tr treatment, rehabilitation going on and on. Come to think of it, I do have a blog. It's called uh, A Tourist Guide to the Afterlife, so anybody could uh, look that up. It, 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 it's there uh, online. Um, of course I believe in the afterlife. I'm a spiritualist. Uh, but see, the reincarnationist doesn't believe in an afterlife. They think it, after you die, the only important thing is coming back into another body. The, the afterlife has no meaning. Oh, they can rationalize it, but don't listen to that. It's just window training. Well, I uh, think what's interesting about your approach is that you you believe in medianship because you're a spiritualist, but you don't believe in reincarnation, right? Reincarnation is a fouled-up idea yeah. that we need body, that we need bodies yeah. in order to progress, or that we can even repossess a body. But that's where the danger lies. Uh, um, yeah, uh, that's where the, the the danger lies, Philip. Because in coming back, a spirit has no control. Of these things, they don't, in spirit, early spirit, you don't have as much control as as when you're anchored in in a physical body. Uh, they cannot help themselves. They come back and try to control the body, and that results in multiple personality disorder. That results in obsessive uh, compulsive uh, disorder. That results in criminal behavior. That results in schizophrenia, paranoia, and every other kind of spirit possession that there is under the sun. Yeah, well, I, I am I'm a doubter on reincarnation. Just so my, I mean, and what I think is really not important, other than this is my radio show. But the, I do think that um, I'm open-minded towards it. But I would agree with you that folks who think that you know who who cares what happens in this life because I'm going to come back as you know Prince Charming or Lady Gaga or or, or whatever, um, it's to me. 
uh, sort of denigrates our, our existing life. And, and you put it in your book somewhere. I don't have my finger on it, but, but you made a point that I've, I made in an article last year, which is that we, we have, this is our life, um, and this is, this is our one chance to get it right. And, exactly. and and people yeah, go ahead and people people uh, that say well well I, I'll have a second chance at the second bite at the apple no way uh, yeah. what an illusion that yeah, is I agree with and that. a dangerous one yeah. I would like anyone who's on the fence on this topic to read chapter seven in my book uh, delusions that's yeah. a chapter devoted yeah. to reincarnation where yeah. I really blast into it because it's not only foolish and wrong it's dangerous well I I think that again. To me, I've never seen proof of reincarnation. I I think that there is one. We don't have time right now to get into. I think there is one way to explain it if it exists. But my problem with it is what the point I just made, which is that we know for a fact that we are here now, talking, sitting down, in a real world, and and to think that this isn't important because we're gonna you know reincarnate as something better to me is like taking your eye off the ball and it could be the only ball you're ever going to get absolutely um, so that's, that's, that's half of my argument right there yeah that's that's good okay so uh susan if there's one additional thing you have not get a, had a chance to mention why don't you leave leave us with with uh an idea thought a point that you'd like to make uh, we we've covered a lot of ground in one hour but we're at the end here so i'll give you a chance to say something else okay. if you'd like to throw um, it in there go ahead Philip, um i'd like you to um invite me back um so we can um talk about global warming which is uh, another very dangerous uh illusion mass illusion yeah which, which again a, a lot of people do not believe in yeah. Um, to talk about global warming and um, uh, astrology or any of the other chapters that you think your listeners w are interested in and would uh, benefit by hearing our conversation. Sure, sure. Well, I didn't want to get into global warming because that was that's a whole other area. And as you and I, you may you probably don't know, but I am an environmental lawyer. So I deal in in global warming a little bit, but let's let's do that. I would love to have you back. And once again, uh, Susan, you mentioned your blog. Um, your blog is called what again? Um, Tourist Guide to the Afterlife. Okay, Tourist Guide to the Afterlife. And you, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And and you also have a a science oriented website that you do with some of your colleagues. Then what's that called? It's called EarthVortex.com. Okay, EarthVortex.com. Well, once again, Susan, I want to really thank you for I hope what was a mind opening out of the box conversation, and that's the whole point here, is that we have to go outside of the box, the outside outside of this standard model, this political correctness, if we are to uh, reach a better, deeper understanding of who we are and what we can be. This and, is, uh, and Philip, I would like to thank you back because when I sign up for radio, I don't know what I'm getting. And, and a lot of the time, Philip, I, I don't get much. And it's just been wonderful uh, having this conversation with you. 
Well, thank you very much, Susan. And once again, this is Philip Camello. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We'll see you next week when I talk with Patricia Walker and her own route to enlightenment. See you next week. Been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, hosted by Philip Camella. To find out more about Philip and his book, The Collapse of Materialism, visit thecollapseofmaterialism.com.